0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right, Psalm 46 is is where we're going to be tonight. So if you have your Bible, um, love for you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. Um, Mark would no doubt love to, to give it to you, to bring it to you even. Just give a little like, hey, oh, one of these numbers and uh, Mark, is, Mark is on that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take it. If you have a friend or a family member or a roommate or a coworker that doesn't have one, take it and give it away. Uh, we have no problem uh, repurchasing more Bibles if it means that, that more and more people have the Word of God. So uh, we'd love for you to have that. So um, growing up and in, in, in school, and I mean one of the like icebreaker questions that you often get in a lot of like small group settings is who's your hero? Uh, my answer for the longest time and still to this day when who is your hero is asked uh, is my dad. Hands down, he is my hero. Uh, he is who I want to be when I grow up. He's the most selfless man I know, the hardest working man I know. He loves his family well. Um, Stephanie can attest to this. If you've met him, you know this as well. Um, that he's my hero. I, I wanna, I've, for the longest time, that's been my answer, still is. Um, that's who I, I want to be. In college, I think it was... It was my freshman year. Uh, my mom called me and told me my dad had cancer, and uh, that is that is a phone call, a face-to-face conversation, a diagnosis that it, I'm sure many of you have encountered and can totally rock your world, especially when it's someone you love, right? Especially when it's your hero. Like your your hero doesn't get cancer. Like that doesn't happen. Um, and so my freshman year in college, college is a, is a huge time of transition anyways, that freshman year is huge, to get that phone call, man, like, the, the walls of my safe little world just began to shake, like, what, what happens if this doesn't go well, like, I don't know how to handle, like, a funeral with my dad right now, you know, and so, I mean, that call was tough, um, and, and praise God, I mean, I'll tell you this now, like, he, he, he recovered, um, he actually got it again, but recovered from that, he's doing well, um, but, but it doesn't, like, you just don't, like, 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 how do you handle that? Like, that's a, that's a, that's a call, that's a situation in life that can shake the very foundation that you stand on, right? The, the security and comfort of the world you live in, um, can be rattled, but, but I'm not the only one, no doubt, in this room that has encountered that. Um, I, I would, I mean, I bet all of you have some story uh, of just when the, the world that you live in just kind of disappeared in front of you. You know, the, the foundation of normalcy, of security, of comfort, of life that you understand just kind of opened up and, and things began to spin out of control, right? It could have been that, that phone call or a diagnosis of something. It could be a sudden loss of job or, or a job you thought was coming that, that didn't come through and now you're left knowing, I, I, don't, I don't know what's next. I don't know how I'm going to pay for the bills that, that are coming in. Like, apparently you have to pay rent. How am, I going to, how am I going to pay for that? Or it could be a relationship that is in conflict that you don't know how to handle, or that you thought was going to go a certain way, and all of a sudden it's heading that way. Or, or a dream of a family that you had and you were convinced would be the case, and, and now you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, this dream that I thought for the longest time is nowhere to be seen. Right? It, it can be a death in a family. It can be depression or, or personal illness or an injury that you just can't seem to shake. But, but all you know is that everything around you is just kind of falling apart and spinning out of control. Anyone else ever, ever been there in any form or shape of life? And if you haven't, praise God. But that day is coming. That, that day is coming when... When disappointments and hurts and trials crash in around you. Because we live in a broken th- world where broken things happen. And so we know that that day is coming. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 46, verse 2, right? The, the, the second part, he says, he says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. He doesn't talk like, maybe perhaps one day, like, I don't know, if, if things just don't go your way, like, then, then maybe that's going to happen. He talks like it's a certainty. Though the earth gives way beneath your feet, right, the, the solid ground that you stood on, though it's gone, Though the waters are crashing over you, the the mountain itself in front of you has been moved into the sea, and there's a wave of of trial and uncertainty and fear just coming upon you. Though that day is upon you. In Isaiah 43, he says, when you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fires. So Jesus said in John 16, you will face trials and tribulations in this life. Now, that's not anything that any of us are like, like we know. We all know that there are trials and struggles that we have encountered. And we all have seen enough of life to know that there's more to come. Though the earth gives way beneath your feet. What does that look like for you? When has that happened? What is that situation that if it happened, the earth would give way? That that, that the waters would crash in around you. From Genesis 3 to the end of Revelation, we see that something we should expect. It's a part of this world that we should understand is coming. I mean, that's what he says in Psalm 46, right? Like, that that day is coming. But I don't want to to linger on that, right? Like, that's not the bulk of, of what we're talking about here. What we want to talk about today and what the psalmist wants us to see in Psalm 46 is that though that is going to happen, though you may be living in it right now, though you may be trying to put the pieces of your world back together right now, there is hope. Like, there is a hope that we can hold on to and stand firm in, and we can be confident and secure no matter what is happening around us. And so he starts, verse 2, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way. We will not fear though though the mountain is tossed into the sea, though the waters and the storms of life are surrounding you so that you can't see the other side, we will not fear. There is hope, there is certainty. So though you feel lonely and you feel like there's no hope for a better future, we don't have to be afraid. Though things don't add up and you don't know what next month is going to look like, we don't have to fear. Though the doctors can't answer what is going on and the pain just seems to increase, we don't have to fear. Though the death came suddenly and no one saw that coming, we don't have to fear. Though my friends left me and this relationship is hard, we don't have to fear. So so fill in whatever it is in your world where the earth gives way beneath your feet. And the Bible says, though that is going to happen, though it may be happening, we will not fear. We're not going to be afraid. There's a confidence in this. Now, when I was reading this, and I've read this psalm a lot, um, I struggled with it, because I, I'm, I'm afraid a lot right now. now I, fear has surrounded me. I drew this picture for my counselor where a little stick figure, and I was like, I just feel like fear is all the time around me, trying to find its way in and press into my life. It's like, so I don't know what to do with this. Like, am I, am I doing something wrong? And, and, and he told me, he's like, no, it's not that you're not gonna have this emotion. Like this fear inside of you, that's a normal thing. Jesus felt that fear. He didn't want to go to the cross. Like he had this fear of what was to come. But what the psalmist is talking about, what we see in Jesus, is that even though there is a the emotion of fear, we can have a confidence and a steadfastness that can still move us forward in obedience and in joy, even. So it's not that you're not gonna feel afraid. It's not that when the earth gives out beneath your feet, like, man, I'm going to be afraid of that. You're, we're going to be afraid of that, but we can have a foundation that is deeper and more steadfast, that we can still be secure and confident and even have joy in spite of that fear. I mean, that is a different ball game to play in. I think about Horatio Spafford, who wrote the song, It Is Well. And so the, the, the song begins, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Do you, do you know when he wrote that song? It was shortly after he got a telegram from his wife that on their ship sailing from the United States to England, the, a storm crashed over the ship and the ship sunk and all three of his daughters drowned and died and only his wife survived. And then he writes that song? Like, you're not supposed to bury your kids. And yet he's able to say, when sea billows roll, literally when they roll over the boat carrying my daughters and and sinks them down to the bottoms, it is well with my soul. there's no doubt he felt fear, he felt uncertainty, but he knew there was a steadfastness and a confidence beneath it all that carried him through. Man, come on, who doesn't want that? Right, like, who doesn't want that security that no matter what is happening, when the earth is falling apart, we've got this security and this certainty. Man, I do. I pray for it all the time. And this is what he's talking about. So, so what is our answer? All right, like, what, what is that answer for us? Now, here's, here's the reality of fear. Fear begins to lose its power and diminish in weight when there's something or someone bigger than that fear. When there's something that we trust in and, and, and you know, believe in or more confident that is bigger than that fear, then the fear begins, what, what power does it have? Right? It begins to lose its power and its control in our lives. And I've told you this story about Molly when she was little and how she almost drowned in a hot tub. And, and, and so Karen was like, what? You know? so, so recap, Molly runs into a hot tub. She can't swim and she sinks. And so I, I run over to the hot tub and I literally, she's just sitting there floating like this um, and, and she doesn't know what to do. So I was reaching and I grab her and I pull her out and she's fine, right? She's all good. But then she won't get in the pool. She, I mean, in her little mind, she's like, dude, that, that little hot tub almost killed me. This big pool? No, uh-uh. out of control, right? Like it's unsafe. I might die. This is going to go bad. I'm not getting in that pool. And so we're like, Molly, you got to get in the pool, kid. Like you got to swim. Um, but she wouldn't do it. Rightfully so. Like she'd get on the edge, but she just wouldn't jump in. And so what does Stephanie and I do? We get in and we can stand, right? So we're, you know, waist high. We're like, hey, jump. Come on. We'll catch you. Like jump to me. And so it takes her a little bit. She's nervous. There's obviously fear, but she jumps. Now, now, why does she jump? Is the pool still, I mean, is the pool safe now? No, she can still drown in the pool. Like, it's still the same pool. It's still dangerous. There's still the same fear, but there's something bigger than the pool that she's afraid of that she's confident in. So her, her focus is not on the pool. It's on someone bigger than the pool. And so therefore, the pool, the fear of the pool doesn't have the same weight, and so she overcomes her fear by trusting, by looking to someone that was bigger than her fear. And so that's how it works for us too, right? We're going to have fears in our life. We're going to have uncertainties. We're going to have situations that we can't handle. I mean, this could go really, really bad. Matter of fact, this might be really, really bad. What do I do with this situation? How does fear not consume and control and press us down? And We've got to have our eyes fixed on something or someone bigger than the fear, otherwise the fear is going to control us. And so we know, right? This is what he tells us. Though the earth gives way beneath your feet, we know that things are going to go south. My question is, what do you look to and trust in when things are not going well? Where is your confidence? Where is your hope? What do you believe is going to be your rescue and your answer? Right? Is it your own strength? Like, you're just convinced that you can muscle your way through anything? Like, come on, bring it. I can handle anything, right? Is it your own, your own self-determination? Is it your, your skill set? Like, I may lose this job, but I'm good enough. I can handle that job. Or, man, I may lose my job, but I got enough savings. I'm going to be okay. Like, is it, is it in some material possession? Is it in, you know, a best friend? long as I got this person. All right? As long as, as long as this person's here for me, as long as my family's here for me. The problem with anything on this planet, if we look to it to be our ultimate answer, is that it can't carry the weight of our fears and insecurities. No earthly thing is built to ultimately handle the weight. It will all give way at some point. Everything on this earth is going to break down at some point. Another person can't carry our hearts. It's not secure enough. A, a, A job, it's not secure enough resources, possessions, like they're, they're just not secure enough. And so if our hope and our confidence is, man, if only this happens, if I can get to there, if this situation can change, then I'll be good, then we're trusting in something that ultimately cannot carry the weight of our satisfaction and peace. We've got to trust in something bigger. And so what is that? The, the word therefore in verse 2 is what connects us. The, the therefore we will not fear, that's the effect so what's the cause of no fear? We go back to verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. It, we, he, he talks about it in uh, verse 7 and verse 11, right? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The psalmist, when, when things are falling apart, and you see this so often this is Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He's in the pit of destruction, and he's waiting on the Lord. Psalm 39, 7, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Psalm 62, he says, in God alone do I hope. I wait in silence. My hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. For the psalmist, when things are falling apart and when there's insecurities and fear, his hope is in the Lord, who is his refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. His confidence is that there's one who is bigger than everything else, and he's going to put his hope, his trust in him. And so that because his hope is in God, when the earth gives way, it's okay, God's bigger than that. When the mountains crash in around us, it's okay, God's bigger than that. And so this is great news for us, because we can have fear in any circumstance, not based on us and our strength and our ability, because we're not, we're not that great, and not based on the strength or the abilities of other people or situations because they're all going to let us down, we can have confidence and hope and security regardless of what's happening because of who the Lord is. Because of who he is. And he does not change and he does not lie. He is bound to his word. Because he put this in here, he is this and he will be that. He cannot lie. And so because of who the Lord is, so the psalmist, his confidence is, is in the Lord. So often we put our confidence in other things, and we wonder, why am I still afraid? It's because that's not the answer. It makes me think about the disciples, right? They're on the boat, professional professional fishermen on the boat, and this storm comes in, and it starts sinking the boat, and they're panicking, right? They're literally like, trying to like, scoop water overboard, and they're in this just, like, just complete panic mode. like They believe they are going down. And they're trying, they're like, we just need some more help. But they didn't realize that the help they needed was just asleep in the in the cabin underneath. And so they go and they wake Jesus up, and they're like, Jesus, grab a bucket, dude. Don't you care? And he's like, stop. And the storm just stops. And he looks at me like, Why are you so afraid? Do you not not have faith? Do you not trust me? they got this panic and this fear because circumstances were falling apart around them but the answer who's bigger than all of those circumstances was just to sleep in the boat they just had to turn and trust in him they could have done away with all that fear and panic and stuff if they would have just started by fixing their eyes on jesus by going to him in the first place when storms are crashing in on your life right we need a safe place we need a harbor it doesn't matter how big and bad and strong you are if the storm is big enough it will take us down. And we need a safe place where we can be secure from the storms of life. God is that refuge. He is that safe place. When when we don't have the strength to keep going. When we know that that the Bible says don't grow weary of doing good and we just think I I, I can't anymore. Like I don't know how to keep doing good here. And I don't have the strength to keep fighting. I'm so weak and I'm so torn down. God is our strength. He gives us the strength to keep going. When the enemy is, is pressing in and attacking and fear and doubt and lies and that's all we seem to see and it's just surrounding us, God is our fortress. He is our protection. He will fight for us. And so the psalmist knows it. we know it. Life is going to be hard. It's going to give way beneath our feet. The, the mountain is going to crash into the ocean. The waters are going to press in on us. But we do not have to fear because the Lord is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our very present help in trouble. That's who he is. Man, I think sometimes I'm like, all right, God, I see this and I, I hear it, but I just don't know that you're like here, like here, me, now, Like, are you really present to help us? Are you really going to do something about this? And the promise of God is yes. That he is our refuge. He is our strength. That he is present here now, tonight, in this room. He's present. He's going to do something. Do we trust him? Do we trust that he's a good shepherd leading us to what's best, even when what we think is best is over there? Do we still trust that he's good and the path he's leading us on is right? I think it's important to know that at times when when Molly was jumping in the water, like at times we had to let her hit the water. Like you can't just always catch her. We gotta let her grow too. We gotta let her hit the water so that she she can learn she's okay. There's going to be times when, when the Father knows that He's got to let you hit the water. He's got to let you go under the water a little bit, right? He's got to let the water kind of surround you a little bit at times so that, so that you can learn and you can grow and you can, you can ex- excel in your faith. Because He's a good Father, and He knows that if He always just catches you, you'll never actually grow to all that you can be. But He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is a very present help in trouble. This is who he is, and he's our joy. It's what he, it's what he goes to next, right? He says that in, in verse 4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, right? The, the city of God is the people of God. It's the church, and there's a river who's, who's represented to be God himself who makes glad the city of God. He is our joy, In the midst of things, he's our joy, and he he is present, and and because he is present, we won't be moved, and he will help in the morning. Like, that's who he is, he's going to bring joy, and he's gonna protect us, and we will not be moved. Because of who he is. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear maybe you need to say it over and over and over again like myself, we don't have to fear. I don't have to fear, I don't have to fear because he is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my very present help in trouble. Do you know this God? Do you believe him? Are you looking to him? Or are you looking around you at other things? What's your trust in? The psalmist gives us some some parts that we play in this as well. There's two things that we see in Psalm 46. To have this foundation and the security, to to know that this is who God is, so that when the world crumbles in around you, that we have this. There's two things he tells us to do. Behold and be still. Behold and be still. He says in verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. How he makes wars to cease, uh, the end of the earth. How he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the church to the fire. He says, "Come and look and see what God has done. Like just look for yourself and see who this God is. See, remind yourself that He's bigger. Take a minute and just sit and know that we don't have to live under the yoke of this world. That His yoke is easy and light. Come and behold and see. So, so how do we behold? What do we behold? From, from the Old Testament to the New, one of the ways that we behold God is to look at creation. It is to look around us and allow ourselves to feel how finite and small we are, and remember that this is the God who created all things. So tonight, we, we could go outside, and maybe a little tougher in the city, right? But, but odds are, you can still look up, and I'm gonna bet that you'll see the moon, or the stars. Like, I'm, I'm just odds are you're probably going to see that. Any question on whether you'd see a star? Maybe if you get outside, of, let's get in the country, right? Where There's no like city lights. Any doubts, any questions that you're going to see the stars? No? Like 100% certainty, you're going to see stars at night in the country when there's no light. Like you're going to see the stars. Well, Isaiah 40, that's where God takes them. That's where God tells us to look. He says, who are you going to compare me to that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, not because he he is strong, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So we have confidence, right, that if we go out and we look up in the sky at night, we're going to see stars. Well, Isaiah 40 says the reason we're going to see stars is because God has not let them move, because God is controlling the placement of each and every star that that has their own individual name. The stars we see are there because God has said, star be there. He's put it in our line of sight. And so if we don't have question about whether we're going to see the stars, why do we question the one who puts the stars where they are? If we're so confident, man, I'm going to see the moon tonight. Why are we not confident in the one who's like, hey, I want to put the moon right there? We've got to let our minds behold God who is behind all of what we see in creation so that we don't forget who he is. He goes on and he says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speaker of Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? And he's just like, man, look up. If God hasn't forgotten the stars, he's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten behold our god look at creation let it point you to the creator another way we behold god is by testimony of lives changed man i don't know about you i'd be willing to bet there's someone in your life that has encountered jesus and is a different person because they encountered jesus we see god at work through the lives of people around us right like we see god doing things we see someone coming to faith who hadn't had faith before. And we're like, holy smokes. Like, God is, God is doing something here. You can see that in your own life. We're like, man, I'm at a different place than I used to be. That is an evidence of God. That is a way we behold God. Ephesians 4 says the church is meant to build one another up. This is important because we see, we behold God through the lives of the church. So if we neglect this, if we neglect community group, then we are omitting a way for us to behold our God through the people that he works in. It is a way for us to see God is through his church and the lives that he is changing. So we behold God in creation. We behold God through his church, but the biggest way, really, the, the, mo- the only essential way to behold God is through Jesus. It is to look at Jesus that is how Psalm 46 becomes real. If you read this psalm and you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is real. Then we need to look at Jesus because Jesus is how this becomes real. On our own, we're not safe. On our own, we're not rescued. On our own, we are surrounded by danger because on our own, we're sinful and we've separated ourselves from God. We don't get Psalm 46 on our own. But Jesus came to earth in order to bring Psalm 46 to us in order to make this alive. So in the incarnation, in Jesus' coming, we see our very present help in trouble. That Jesus, the Word, became flesh and lived among us. Hebrews 6 says He is our sure and steadfast anchor of hope, right? That we have a solid foundation in Jesus. In, In Mark right we saw the story of the storm where where Jesus was powerful over nature and then the next story in Mark chapter 5 they land on they, they, they hit land and they get off the boat and this demon possessed man comes rushing up on them and he lives in the graves and people have tried to control him They're like man how would we do this guy and no one can subdue him they chain him up and he just breaks the chains nothing seems to work and then Jesus shows up and with the word, the legion of demons leaves this man and he has returned. The tormenting in his soul, the, the unrest is removed and he has given peace and rest in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus is our strength over anything that we have. He's greater than it all. He, he is our present help. But all of that is meant to point us to the greatest way that Jesus is our refuge and our fortress. And that is by removing our sin from us so that we can be a part of the family of God. On the cross, Jesus went to battle against the greatest opposition against us. Against the greatest amount of unrest and turmoil and to- tormenting, which is sin in us. Jesus goes up against that on the cross, and he- he's buried, and then he rises from the dead to triumph and victory over the devil and over his power. And so our greatest security, our greatest help, our greatest refuge and fortress is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which removes our sin and allows us by faith to be brought into a relationship with God, so that we are forever his so that we are the sheep. He is our good shepherd, and he doesn't lose anyone. It is in Jesus that Psalm 46 becomes real, and so if we want to know this, if we want to know this confidence, it's only through Christ, and we look to Jesus, and that is how we behold our God who came near to rescue us and to give us new life. That is the security and promise that God will step in and do something. He is our help. And we can count on the fact that He will finish it. Jesus is our evidence of that. He is our promise and security of that. So we have to behold God. What, what are you beholding? What is your confidence? connected to if it's anything other than God it's going to let us down it's going to crumble beneath our feet we have to behold our God but then there's the second part I think the reason we oftentimes don't behold God is not because he's hiding from us or he, he doesn't want us to see him it's because we're not looking he says, be still and know that I am God. Stop. Slow down. Quit striving. Quit trying to be in control and see that God's got this. Be still and know that I am God. So often we don't behold God because we don't stop and look to him. We're just surrounded by so many other things. We're flooded with nonsense. I was standing in line the other day at a store to make a return, and there was one person in front of me and three persons behind me, and all four of them were on their phone just scrolling through something. And I'm guilty all the time, right? But it's because we can't go 30 seconds without filling our face with some device or something, right? So we never slow down to just sit and marvel and behold who God is we've got to have Netflix constantly running in we've got to be with our buddies and friends all the time we've got to have sports and hobbies and this and that and we fill 99 to 100 percent of our day with stuff that's not God and then we wonder man why am I not beholding God in this well it's because we never slow down to look to him we never prioritize him enough we, we try to maybe fit him in some point. Like, I'm, I'll stop and read my Bible, but I gotta do it later. Well, then later doesn't happen, so we'll do it tomorrow. But then something comes up tomorrow, so I'll do it tomorrow evening. Well, then something comes up then, right? And we, we never just stop to be still who God, and see who he is. We're flooded with jobs, and school, and family, and responsibilities, and I gotta do this. And, like, we are so incredibly busy. And not that it's all bad things. But so often, right, like, I'm guilty. The most important thing doesn't become the most important. Like, I'll stick it in number seven. But then I struggle to get past number three, and so number seven never happens. And so we're not going to behold God because we, we don't stop. We don't quit striving and hustling and trying to make it happen. It's the most important thing we can do. And we wonder why we're anxious and troubled and afraid and frazzled and worried, and it's because we're not beholding the God who's over it all. We've got to be still and know that he is God. And he says, he ends it, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We can have confidence that he's going to accomplish his purpose. It may not make sense to us. I don't understand why the earth gives way beneath our feet sometimes. I don't understand Gosh, why it's so hard sometimes, but he promises he will be exalted. He is going to accomplish his purpose through us. It's certain and steadfast. So I just wanted to want to end with this. We know that we know that things are going to be hard. And God says, behold and be still, right? Slow down. Sit before the Lord, behold our God, trust him. That's really easy to do when verses two and three aren't happening. Right, when the earth is not giving way beneath our feet, when the mountain isn't being tossed into the sea, when the waters aren't roaring and the mountains trembling, like when that's not happening, it's pretty easy to to slow down and behold God. But when verses two and three are happening, When the earth is giving way beneath your feet, the last thing I want to do is be still. Right, like I've got to get to work. I've got to figure this out. I've got to do something about this, right? I've got to work together the the plan so that this can be different, so that I can have that. Like I've got to to get my hands around the situation and control it. When the world is crumbling around you, when the, the walls of security and life that you know it are gone and you're just grasping for something solid, you just need something solid in your life. You're looking for somewhere to put your feet so that your steps can be secure, so that you're not falling on your face over and over and over again. When that's happening, because it's going to happen, man, this is incredibly difficult. And so I'm not going to stand up here and act like I've got Psalm 46 figured out, because I don't. I don't. I've questioned this psalm more in my entire life in the last six months than ever. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so I'm not going to stand up here and act like there's not going to come the day when you know what it says, but man, everything in you just struggles to believe it. And you just don't know that a better day is coming. And all you see is darkness, and you're like, there's no, there's no bright day on the horizon. It's really hard really hard. And so this is, again, my encouragement to you is don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You don't walk away from the Lord, you don't give in to temptation, you don't chase after the easy path, you don't quit. And it's not because you're going to be so great in your faith and you're going to be so strong and so amazing. It's because the Lord is your refuge and your strength. Because the Lord is your very present help in trouble. The Lord is your fortress. And He is going to be the one, because of who He is, to get you to the other side. So just don't quit. You keep fighting. You keep seeking. You get up and you go another day. Even when all you want to do is end it, you keep going because the Lord is who he is and he will carry you to the other side. We have to replace our confidence in who he is, not in who we are and not what makes sense to us. Just don't quit. Keep fighting and trust who he is. He will accomplish his purpose. Let's pray. Lord, you, you are uh, our shepherd. You're a good shepherd, and you lead us to what's best. You are our refuge, our strength, our present help in trouble. And there's a lot of times the Bible tells us when the, the, the life doesn't make sense, and it hurts, and it's broken, and we want it to be different, and God, you promised us that you are working for good, and that you haven't left us that you are walking with us, that you are our refuge, you are our strength. And so God, increase our confidence in that, our trust in that. God, that that we would not fear, that we would not be overcome by fear, um, but that we would be overcome by your greatness and your power. Father, I ask for different circumstances. God, I know there's many who want different circumstances and pray often for it, and Father, I ask for it. I ask that if there's some walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now, that you would take them out of it and put them in the green pastures beside the still waters, that there would be a season of rest, that it wouldn't be so hard. But God, for as long as you have us in the valley, as long as you have the the earth crumbling beneath us, as long as you have the the waters crashing in around us, give us the strength to endure and the faith to trust you and to not quit and to not be afraid. Not because of us, but because of who you are. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. You are our only hope. Please, Father, deliver, rescue, establish, firm foundation beneath us in who you are. So I invite you to take a second and just keep praying. Just you and the Lord. Just to be still and to listen to anything he might be telling you right now. God, we need your presence and your power. Fear has no power over us when you are with us because you are bigger and greater. Darkness has to flee because, Jesus, you are the light. You are the rock. You are the firm foundation that our feet can be established on. Forgive us of our lack of faith, Father. Forgive us for our pride where we seek to control everything on our own and not trust you. God, forgive us. Fix our eyes on you. Even when they start to wander, pull them back. God, let us taste and see how good you are so that lesser things of this world begin to lose their flavor and we just want more and more of you. Love you, God. We're grateful that you're patient with us, that you're good to us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at AustinLifeChurch.com.